Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally, and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. So I've got a simple message this morning I want to share with you, and it comes out of a, the, the encounter of Elijah, Elisha with the Shunammite woman. Just a simple encounter. We'll read that scripture now so that we can have a look at it. It's out of 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem, a wealthy woman who lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops him from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair and a lamb. Then he'll have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Simple encounter and so concisely captured in that scripture. But I really want to just take the opportunity to open up briefly and look at the fact that that is a picture of, of us engaging with Jesus as he, inviting him in to be a part of our lives. Um, and I guess to begin to ask a few questions, um, whether he's actually an occasional visitor to us or whether we have indeed made room for him to be a part of our life. Someone has a specified place and actually has the run of the place. <laughs> as it run of the place as we do life together. Um, yeah, so for the Shunammite woman, it started with a single meal to a prophet. Then they became frequent meals every time Elisha passed by. There was something captivating about Jesus. We know that if we're people of faith, there's something that Jesus is captivating about Jesus and, and faith in people's lives. And that's what we saw. This woman says, I'm sure there is something different about this man. I'm sure there is something different about this man. Yeah. I guess we can engage with Jesus and be, be, be captivated by his, his, um, his story, but yet just allow him to come in and be part of our life from time to time, to be a casual visitor. Have we given him a place to stay? What's her statement? Let's build a small, a small room for him on the roof. She didn't run an inn. She wasn't, she's a wealthy, the scripture tells us she was independently wealthy. She didn't need to have a room built to, to run commerce, to be, run a commercial operation. If that's the kind of room we have, we often sell out. If we begin to think of God, and Trevor touched on this, he shared communion. It's not a, it's not a transaction. We, can't, we, we bring nothing to the foot of the cross. We can't bring anything in our own strength to, to, to influence our, our state. It's indeed the transformational work of Jesus at work in our life. It makes the difference. She didn't see an operation as an opportunity to, to, to have a transaction there, to profit from the engagement with the man of God. It wasn't a spare room. She didn't use Elisha as an excuse for Hubby to do some renovations, which does happen. <laughs> yeah. If it's a spare room, then poss the possibility comes that when, the time when Jesus comes to, be, to, to enter into our lives, that it's occupied, if it's a spare room. Anyone who's got a spare at home usually knows that it fills up with other stuff. <laughs> it's plenty of nods there. I can see some nods in the room. 
It was a dedicated room. And we, and we also understand that there's some things in our life that just is are not negotiable, things that are put in there and dedicated towards that, that course. And I really want to encourage us in that. No matter what the situation or the circumstances, let us build a room for him. This leads on to the question, where is your room for Jesus? Where is it in your household? Um, in the household that I grew up in, an old, an old farmhouse with a return veranda all the way on the outside, on the east we had a what we call a sleep-out. So it was a, the veranda was simply closed in with asbestos and bits of wood and whatever we could find <laughs> to, to build this sleep-out. It was a, it was, the idea of a sleep-out was to have someone as a, who you wanted to have express hospitality but not necessarily have him under your, under your roof. And we would often put... If we had employees that were coming or contractors, they would go and they would stay in this sleep out on the outside. So they weren't actually, they were under the main roof, but they weren't actually in the house. But she built it on the roof. The Shunammite woman built the room on the roof, it says. It wasn't added on the back of the house, it wasn't a corner of the cellar, it wasn't the sleep out. It was a visible room. It changed the shape of her house. It was apparent to all who were passing by that she'd built that room for the, for the prophet. It was an inconvenient room. Entrance was gained by coming into the house. And as I said before, that meant that Elisha had access to the whole place. And I've talked before about junk rooms and about spare rooms we talked about before. Elisha had access to the whole house. It was an important room. It was set at the top of the house. At the top of the house. So there again, the question is, where is your house? Where is your room for Jesus in your household? What is in your room for Jesus? The scripture says, what it says, furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. It outlines very specifically the contents of the room. And as usual, they are I believe that they are identified for very specific reasons to us to reflect on, again, our room for Jesus in our life. Yeah. So when we were first married, Barb and I, some a couple of years ago, <laughs> um, we came into came together as um, young people with no money, as often you do when you first get married. And so we went and we bought a bed, a set of table and chairs, a pair of bedside cupboards and a, a small kitchen dresser. So that we went to, in those days, it was, I can't even remember the name, the fashion was that you'd go and you'd purchase raw pine furniture. So we'd buy this raw pine, unstained, and then you would stain them to your desired colour. Baltic pine was ours, I believe, Baltic pine stain, and then you would varnish them and then you'd have a, a matching set throughout the home. That was... Uh, the way there was no IKEA, there was no Kmart. You couldn't. You just had it as an opportunity. So, um, I think it was a better time, to be honest. As far as I... yeah, the Chinese evasion of cheap furniture. And uh, for going for, I said over thirty years on from that, we still have, we still own the table and chairs, and we still um, have the bedside cupboards. And we've only just recently sold a little kitchen dresser to one of our to our friends. For us, they were essentials because. Everything else that we had, we borrowed from someone else. We had a, a sharp black and white TV, which I borrowed from Carolyn. 
So we had actually had a black and white TV. Not that you could watch it. <laughs> because we live, in, again, in the, where we live, it's, um, the TV antennas are about 100 feet or 60 feet high and you could get channel 2 usually. Sometimes channel 9, never channel 10. We could never watch channel 10. Anyone who could watch channel 10 was indeed in a, in a blessed place. Or maybe not, I'm not sure. Maybe not. <laughs> Anyway, so we didn't have much. So we chose really carefully what we placed in that room, was in our household at that point. And again, this, that's the picture of what I had in the Shunammite woman as she does that. And the story of that Shunammite woman, she identified the essentials for the man of God to stay. And I believe it's not no accident. The first thing that she mentions is a bed. A bed. It, um, it's a symbol, simply for us, it's a symbol of rest. What did Jesus say in Matthew? Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a promise that is. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Rest. What rest do we have in that place? Rest from the heavy burden of sin. And Trevor shared so beautifully around communion that, that, that opportunity to be, to be free from that, to the, thanks to the cross. Rest from a condemning conscience. Our self-talk, the things that we say to ourselves, we're our own worst critic. We have the opportunity to, be, to have rest from that, that consistent and um, self-talk, which is the enemy of faith in so many situations. Rest amongst the unrest of the world, but the circumstances that we see outside, if we... We're, if I was going to say silly enough, if we read the papers or if we watch the news, we know that there's, um, I, yeah, sometimes I don't recommend doing that. I don't think it's, it's actually, it, it actually undermines our faith that we do that sometimes. Peace, despite the turmoil that we see around us in that place of rest. Rest from the strivings of self. Again, that self-life when we strive to make that transaction that Trevor talked about, if we were in that place of trying to, um, to make ourselves good enough, to the do good, get good process, if we, if, we, if we lapse into that, which we, it seems to be in us as people to try and strive and make a way because we can't see that the cross of Christ is enough. We, we, we struggle with that because it's such, a, it's, a, it's such a blessed gift for us, but we struggle with it. Let Jesus work. We are part of his story. The servant that God experiences rest when he realised that God himself is the worker and it is his responsibility to do the work. Yeah. All we need to do is simply trust and obey. Trust and obey. That's just, we used to sing those, that beautiful old hymn, uh, that beautiful chorus which said that. There's no other way but to trust and obey. The table, a symbol of communion, a symbol of coming together. As I said, we own that table still. And we, when we first it, we were first married, and over the years, it's become a bit of a topic of conversation because trends change, and a veneered Baltic pine stained table is not really the bee's knees. There's time to move on. But I, I've drawn a line in the sand. We're not, we're not losing that table, it's staying where it is. 
Um, because for me, for me it's, <laughs> I think that conversation could be to be continued, I think, maybe. Anyway, for now, I'm going to hold my ground. And the, but the reason that I'm so adamant about that table is when I sit around that table, even when I go to the farm and sit by that table, it just brings back so many memories of, of great times and great uh, joyous moments sat there. There's spots on the end of the table where we used to clip the baby's portable high chair on the end of the table so that we could feed them. There's a, in the middle of the table, there's quite a few burnt spots where we'd stayed up to the small hours of the night with, laughing with friends and enjoying their company. And accidentally burnt the table but they are precious I remember those they're precious precious memories for us um, so the table stays <laughs> so communion time spent just delighting in each other's company and I really believe that's that's, that's that picture of the table for us that time spent delighting in the presence of Jesus and we've done that this morning and we can do that every moment of every day Scripture says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. I think that's the New Living Translation. We'll share a meal together as friends. And that's the, that fellowship with the Lord is a plan he has for every one of us. And it's an essential part of that, that, that when we make room for him, it's an essential part of making room for him in our lives. We can easily just become focused on the work of the Lord and miss that connection with the Lord of the work. Yeah. A place of intimacy, a place of being together. Number three, a chair, a symbol of instruction. It's always interesting. I work in a, in a school and oftentimes the kids, when they have the opportunity, to, when we do some work on the mat, and then the time is to go to the table or to sit in the chair and do the work, they suddenly struggle with that. They'd rather lay on, the, lay on the floor or lay on the beanbag, do anything except go and sit in that chair because they know what that chair means. It's time to do some work, time to be instructed. What can we learn about our own attempts to educate our children? Anyone delved into homeschooling? Anyone delved into through COVID system, through the COVID season? A lot of, a lot of teachers earned a lot of respect thanks to that season because... All of a sudden we realised that it is quite a difficult job to get a child to sit in a chair and do the work. Yeah. And we understand that as we try and guide our children that we need to set up consistent, stable patterns that allow them to, to thrive and to learn as they do the journey. I guess for us, we will struggle to become the men of a winner of a God that he would have us be unless we understand what it is to do that, to simply have the, and this is, a, I'm going to use the D word, discipline. <laughs> discipline is to take that chance to sit and allow him to, to instruct us. That's a really important thing for us. And that's what we do here. We invest time together on a Sunday around the word worship and fellowship, and we continue to do that. We continue to take those opportunities to um, have Jesus instruct us through the fellowship of, of spending time together at, at connect groups and prayer meetings and youth, in youth that's a great thing that, that, that does that discipline of being a part of that to begin to do life together to talk of his goodness in the marketplace we talk about that talk of his goodness in the marketplace to get, it, get Jesus into us and then get that, that message into other people drip Jesus I think you said this morning Rob 
through Jesus. And continue to build connections with the wider body of Christ as we do the journey. We understand that um, yeah, there's so many wonderful ch- um, churches and bodies of faith that are gathered here in Murraybridge and we just want to continue to build that connection with those guys as well, see them thrive together. Together we can be so much more. Number four, the lamp, the symbol of testimony. And it just simply speaks of a light that shines forth. The Lord Jesus made two very important and related statements for us, I believe. The first one is, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. And it speaks to, to me of Jesus illuminating my life, of coming in and, and, and shining that light into my life and allowing me to be transformed by that, to be a reflector of him into the places that we go. And into every room in my life, in my work, in my family, in my leisure time, everything that I do, he has the opportunity to be a part of that. Secondly, it says, you are the light of the world in Matthew 5.14. And he wants us to shine through us. He wants him to himself to shine through us. In every aspect, yeah. Shine out through us in our actions and in our words. We'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of of the testimony. So let's round this all up. Number one, the bed. Rest is found in Jesus. Number two, the table. Communion is enjoyed with Jesus. Number three, the chair instruction is received from Jesus. And for the lamp, the testimony is given for Jesus. I really wanted to say that the order of that is really significant. Rest comes first. Rest must come first, followed by communion, intimacy, instruction, and testimony. Why build the room? Why furnish it with the bed, the table, the stool, and the lamp? Because I believe in that room, hopes can be rekindled. Transformations can occur. Dreams can be dreamt again. Perhaps those things that we saw as impossible can maybe be possible. Maybe the dreams that I had can come to fruition. We can have those moments of pure, unbridled joy. Begin to, 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 to imagine the miraculous. We spoke about that on, uh, at men's breakfast on, on yesterday morning. Let's begin to, to be encaptured by the process that... that God may be in the business of doing miracles in their life, of actually transforming a situation which we see as beyond redemption, as beyond hope. A room for the miraculous to occur. For the miraculous to occur. Spirit, soul and body. So I really believe today this is so important for us. So important for us. I know it is for me. Can anyone say... In the exchange that followed on in the, in Second Kings, can anyone tell me what um, Elisha prophesied over that over the Shunammite woman? What was the one thing she didn't have? A son. That's right. She didn't have a son. So he she, he said, "This time next year, you hold a son in your arms." So what was he prophesied over the Shunammite woman, and, and that came to pass. That came to pass. And the scripture goes on to tell us that that son died. He had a, had a sore head and he died. 
What did they do with the son? Where did they take the son after he, after he died? Can anyone still tell you? To the room of Elisha, room of the prophet, and laid him in the room of the prophet. Room added by the Shunammite woman. I guess this morning the question I want to bring to you is what can you bring in the room at the moment that you see as dead and waiting to be buried? Can these dry bones live? Can this ruin be rebuilt? Because I really believe that's, yeah, that's in my own, it stirs my heart that, that the opportunity for the miraculous is there in that place as we spend time in intimacy with Jesus. I want to leave you with this great blessing that comes out of Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. It says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, it's for its leaves remain green and is not anxious for in the year of drought, it does not cease to bear fruit. And that for me, the scripture speaks to us of a connection and the stability that comes in Jesus, despite the circumstances and the vagaries that come against us. We, God is above circumstances. I want to encourage this one that God is above the circumstances we find ourselves in. And he desires to work in the miraculous in that situation, spirit, soul and body. So that's, so that's my word this morning. Be encouraged that he wants to do that. It's his desire that we make that room and allow that, those things that are dead and buried that are beyond our own redemption to breathe life back into those this morning. Be blessed. Let me pray for you as we finish. So, Father God, we thank you for the fact that you are our source, Father, that you um, are the God of the miracles. You are the God who can operate in those places where things like seem beyond redemption, beyond safe, beyond coming back. That we're in ruins, Father. We see that picture of being sitting in ruins, Father. But we know that you can rebuild lives, spirit, soul and body. So we release that into this, every person in this room this morning, Father, that they would understand that um, you are a God of transformation. So I pray that you would begin to make, through your spirit, to begin to transform lives this very moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.